tomorrow. That's Thursday, November 1st. I am hosting a free training online for therapists. I'm going to be teaching you the five steps to fully booked, how to put your practice on autopilot. Really excited for this training. Uh, I'm going to be showing you the exact steps that I have used and have taught therapists um, to fill the empty slots on their calendar and to do it all with predictability um, and even to book clients in your sleep. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, again, free training. Um, so uh, make sure you sign up um, right now. That's thejohnclark.com forward slash simple, thejohnclark.com forward slash simple. All right, let's dive in. Today, Dr. Amber Lida from the Online Therapist Group is on the show with us today. Uh, Amber's become a, a good friend and a really uh, a really popular podcast guest for this show. So uh, I always enjoy having her on and we tend to have a really good time and also um, talk about some valuable stuff as well. Um, so you're in, you're in for a treat. Um, we talk a lot of digital marketing and um, she actually puts me on the spot quite a bit uh, and asks me a lot of questions about digital marketing uh, that I answer. Uh, all right, without further ado, here's Dr. Amber Lida. My friend Amber Light is back on the show. Hey, you guys. Rocking one earring. What? what? Like, a, like a straight up <laughs> rock and roll something or other. Rock and roll 80s. psychologist. Yeah, yeah. You guys, I'm rocking one earring because if I rock the other one, the mic picks it up the whole time. <laughs> and it's annoying. I like how you rocked one, though, like just based on principle, I guess. Or right. Like... I feel like if I have a brand, it's dangly earrings. So... I have I like to that. maintain. I like that. <laughs> you could just <laughs> tilt to one side the whole right. time and pretend, yeah, pretend like you only have, that you have two earrings. Yeah, when I was a teenager, um, thank you, mom, for not allowing me to do this, but I wanted to get my ear pierced so bad. And it, and I wanted to get just, just one ear pierced because that's oh, what yeah. we would do when we were teenagers. And it was, I think it had to be the left ear because when I was a teenager, and again, hashtag trigger warning when I was a teenager if you had just your right ear pierced it meant you were gay right or that's what like other kids would tell me so I was like I better get the right one the the correct one not the right one the correct one pierced <laughs> you were claiming your sexual identity that early on <laughs> yeah exactly or at least fearing you know what would the uh, the backlash in the other direction but um I I never followed through it's your loss man I did have my friend Hunter Hobbs who um later had a bit of criminal history. Um, he, <laughs> I don't think he listens. He, he, uh, I remember so vividly in math class, we were sitting there one day as Mr. Quisenberry's class. You remember, you know how you always remember the teacher? Oh yeah. At yep. least some of them, either the really bad or really good ones. And I look over and Hunter was always kind of getting into trouble and doing wild stuff. And like, if we wanted to try something mischievous, we would go to his house after school. Like, <laughs> And his mom, his mom would like probably provide it for us, whatever it was. And we're, we're sitting there and I look over and he's like, dude, you think I should pierce my own ears right now? And I was like, mm, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, obviously, dude. 
you know, like, you know, I'm going to say yes to that. And he leans over and he has a safety pin and he's positioning it. Like we don't have iPhone or anything, obviously to like, if you had an iPhone, maybe you'd like pull it out and do like turn it on selfie mode. And so you could see what you're doing. Maybe, um, he or just, a mirror. or a mirror. <laughs> yeah. Guys don't <laughs> carry pocket mirrors at least at, at my, at, at that point in life. And so he's like, he's like positioning it. Um, and he's like, is this look about right? Does this look about right? And I was like, oh, a little to the left, a little to the right. And I'm like, I can't believe you're letting me be a part of this. And then he's I like, does this look pretty good? I'm like, no, oh, it looks pretty good. And then he just did it. He really, he did it? He just, he po- he just poked it right through. Holy hell. Bled everywhere. <laughs> Jeez. So this is, a, this is a bad confession. But when I was in grad school, belly button rings were the thing. Oh, and yeah. so me and my roommate were like, we're going to go get a belly button ring. So off we go and we end up at a trailer where you get belly button rings for cheap because we're college kids and we're broke. And we go in and she's like, do you want me to go first or you want to go first? I'm like, definitely you. So she gets up there on the table. She (laughs) lays down. They pull out this needle that was huge. See, I would have gone first because I'd be afraid he's going to use the same needle twice. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, that didn't even occur to me. (laughs) (laughs) She... As soon as they pulled that needle out, I knew for sure I was not doing it. I was like, not a freaking chance is this happening. So I, I didn't say anything until she went through with it. And then she's like, okay, your turn. And I'm like, ah, I think I'm going to I'm super busy all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, I got things to do. You're like, I don't have any, I don't have enough lunch money. Right, I'm yeah. not a true blue friend. Yeah. A friend has gone through. Yeah, that's, that's intense. I don't know. Piercings yeah, are an interesting thing. Yeah. Didn't no, think you were going to be talking about piercings today, did you? I didn't. I didn't. No. What you else had, are we talking about? You had no, you had no <laughs> expectations, which is which is great. That's the way you should. That's be. the way I walk into this. Yeah. Kind of like starting a therapy session. You're like, well, see what kind of wild ride we're in for today. Yeah. Uh, no, I always bring expectations, and then as the little online therapy screen pops up, I'm like, and let's set those down. <laughs> So, so what are your openers? What are your open opener lines as a therapist? That's a good question. Nobody ever asks that. So I was trained psychodynamically and the idea being that you need to carry that theme all the way through every session. Love that. That's Yalom. Yeah. Brief psychodynamic. So like bring that baby through. So at the start of every session is something like, how have you been feeling since we talked last or what stood out for you from the last session? Something that's like nice. pulling the theme through. What about you? That's legit. No, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm cut from the same cloth. We we kind of kind of grew up on Yalom and in a personal process, and mm-hmm. it, it 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 like it all brought it together to me when he talked about um, therapy being as if it's one long session. So the yeah. idea is like otherwise, you know, it, it it can take clients a full 20, 25 minutes to get to find their place again. And then the yeah. session's halfway over. And so like stringing those sessions together, especially after the first session, I feel like that's, there's so much rich information after the first one to just come in and go, last time was the first session. Um, what was it like walking out of here last week? And they usually mm-hmm. have something to say or they had a realization or a thought or they cried as soon as they left or whatever. Um, yep. And it so, sets the yeah. frame, like it sets mm-hmm. that expectation that if they weren't thinking about it between sessions, then they probably should for next time. You know, it just sets them up. Totally. Yeah, I, I, I just tend to say, where, where would you like to begin? 
or sometimes I will refresh them as to kind of where we left off. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so at, the la at the end of last session, this is what was going on, or this is the thought that I had, whatever, just kind of invite them back into the process. Yeah, yeah I, I've started doing more behavioral work in the last few years. And I am just the worst at following up on homework. So really? when, yeah. I, when I have like behavioral therapy clients, I have to make a note to myself, like, remember, this was the homework and remember to ask if they did it. Otherwise, I'm like, blah, 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 how's life? <laughs> it's hard to do both. It's hard to like pull them back into the process and be like, did you do that exposure thing? Did right. Did you do your fear hierarchy? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I used to do a lot of behavior work out in San Francisco. That was, I just treated a lot of different phobias and treated OCD with all exposure and response prevention stuff. Mm -hmm. And I've even done some of that online. I actually treated OCD in a, in a number of people whom I've never met, which is all, all, always really wild, but also really cool because if part of the fear was like, going to a playground and being around like dirty children would be like, let's go there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Take absolutely. me with you and your phone. <laughs> absolutely. I have um, some, because I wasn't trained very well in behavioral stuff, I have a colleague who was, and so she provides consultation for me around, you know, that OCD-ish types of cases. And we've even talked about bringing her into session like on the video mm -hmm. and turning her video off, but also having her on the phone so she could listen in and give me feedback in the moment mm -hmm. without the client hearing it. Obviously the client would know that yeah, she was there. Yeah, bug in the ear. But, yeah. yeah, wouldn't that be so cool? It'd be very legit and also, I, I don't know. So this is where we can dive into one of the topics for today, <laughs> which is like investing in yourself. And you you did, uh, I guess it's a Facebook Live or something. You're the queen of Facebook Lives. <laughs> getting ridiculous you start I, you're gonna hit your quota they're gonna they're gonna reach out and be like we've run out of hard drive space <laughs> bring another server you're gonna start doing lives you're not even gonna know it you're gonna be like walking around your house like trying to find your other earring right and people are gonna be like oh i saw your live and you're like what live what what did i yeah, do, did I, I do another one in my sleep <laughs> sleep living I walked out of my office last night and I'm in my bathrobe and I look at my husband. I was like, I, I think I just did a Facebook live in my bathrobe. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Whatever. I love it. But you did a Facebook live about how you had been, you've been working with the clinical um, uh, consultant and how it was so <sighs> worth it. Worth every penny. Yeah. I mean, tell us about that. Uh, so I had two cases, one that was just a skills deficit for me. I just didn't know well enough how to do the interventions. And I was going to have to be super courageous with some of the exposures that I was asking for. And I didn't want to mess it up. So I hired a consultant to help me know how to do that. And for me, it's an investment in helping that client, but also every other client I'm ever going to see with that issue and to keep learning. And then the other one was more of an interpersonal um like something was getting triggered for me mm -hmm. and I needed help working around it and not like therapy help, but a therapist who, who provided supervision. Yeah. So hired somebody for that. And it, I mean, the relief that I felt in both cases was feeling like, okay, I worked that process through mentally and okay, yeah, this is what I'll do in that session. Here's how I do it. And here's what I'm not going to do. Just so, so helpful. Worth it. Absolutely worth it. The, the, the window that we have um, early on in our careers for, for regular supervision 
is pretty short compared to the length of a career and yeah. considering the variability of clients and of working with human beings that should come in and, and make you go, well, this is new. <laughs> oh, you're interesting. Yeah. Or even habits that we get into that we don't realize, you know, yeah. after you've been doing it for a long time, sometimes you don't even notice like, oh, I really kind of gotten in a rut with what I'm doing. I need some fresh air. Totally. Totally. Yeah. What have you invested in lately? Lately? Um, it's a bunch of websites, like a website fiend. Are you? <laughs> um, man, I've invested in all sorts of stuff. Part of my like kryptonite is, um, and uh, Kelly Higdon will laugh at this. She, she won't listen, but um, she's talked to me off of a number of, big dumb purchases <laughs> not big dumb purchases but one of them was i got really i got really amped up on uh some tony robbins videos and mm -hmm. on some of his books and i went i went deep with it and uh <laughs> real deep and i was just in that headspace and i was to i was totally like ready for the next step you know what i mean and like watched every free video i could and i was like all right this is it i need to meet him i need to, you know i need like a one-on-one -on -one intensive with him Holy just hell. Not an option. That's, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> By one on one, I mean go to one of his like Date with Destiny events or something where it's yeah. like you and 20,000 other people, but somehow you still feel like it's just me and Tony. Mm -hmm. It's the two of and us. And you pay $20,000 to go. Totally. And I went through the whole sales process with, with his team and stuff and was like ready to go and had my credit card. And then I remember calling Kelly and being like, I don't want you to talk me down off of this. I'm just kind of telling you I'm about to make this purchase. And she was like, okay, you can do that. But what else would you do with that X amount of dollars? I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I hired a new team member with it, honestly. I think I like nice. on did like uh, hired a new virtual assistant. And I guess that's what I would say is honestly, my people, I, I tend to invest right back in my people over and over and over again and continue to kind of grow my team. So, um the biggest lesson for me has been realizing most people out there are better, can do things better than me, mm -hmm. can do most things better than me within my business. I have a person for Instagram. I have a person for YouTube. I have a person for my own ads, for my own Facebook ads, my own Google AdWords, for my email funnels. And I basically piece together all these different people in part because they are all experts in their one thing. Yes. And I've, and I've learned that the hard way of trying to find a unicorn, which is one person that can do all those things. Yeah. That's what I keep looking for. Yeah. They don't exist. Just start hiring. I need your email funnel person yeah. badly. I know. And it's I not that it. you couldn't do it or spend the next six months learning it, but you used to spend the next six months learning it and you still wouldn't be able to do it as well or as efficiently as someone who does it all day, every day for people and goes, oh yeah, I, I, I do this in my sleep. Right. Yeah. Right. And there are other things that I do better that I would serve more and make more money doing than that. Like six months plus to learn something like that. Well, yeah. when I could be creating content, which is my, like, that's my area yep. of, of genius. That's this where that sounded like so narcissistic. That's totally. what I do well. <laughs> <laughs> I can Facebook live really well. Darn tootin'. And you can't, and you can't outsource that. Right. Well, you could, but right. it'd be really weird. That would be awkward. Be like, I'm here on yeah. behalf of Amber today. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's just like some lookalike wearing one earring. <laughs> like, 
like a, sim a similar bathrobe. <laughs> yeah, VAs are a really good investment, even just yeah. for straight up private practice. Oh yeah, like you don't have to have a side hustle. Kim does mostly my private practice stuff, mm -hmm. and man, the level of work that's taken off of me, and she's just way better at systems. Totally. So she can do it much more efficiently and better than I can. And when did you um, realize you, you could or should hire her? Oh, gosh. Or could, or could afford it? Which is um, the, the real question for most therapists. When my caseload was over full and I was turning people away and I realized how ineffective my systems were and I was spending a stupid amount of time with things like invoicing or making sure my intake paperwork was in my EHR and did it get delivered to the person. I just, when I started, I had five people. So doing all that manually was easy and I didn't create a system for it. And then I was like, oh, I need help. I'm glad you didn't outright just say like, oh, when I have X amount of clients, then that's when you hire. Because one of my pet peeves lately is therapists who look for a quick answer mm -hmm. and going into like a Facebook group per se and therapists going like someone the other day was like, Oh, I'm hiring my first um, clinician to join my practice. What should the split be? And then you have 25 responses of people going 50, 50, 55, 45, 65, 35, 70, 30, this and that. And everyone's just saying what they do mm -hmm. <laughs> completely mm -hmm. relative to their own practice, to their own overhead, to their own profit margins, their own goals and all this stuff. And it's like, there, there's nuance in this. And part of it is, um, just using the information you have and going, my systems don't work. Um, like I'm, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. Um, and then, and then taking that leap, hiring that person and realizing even though hiring an assistant or hiring your first assistant, they aren't, you know, therapists get caught up on like, they're not revenue generating. I mean, they're mm -hmm. not, they're not going out seeing clients and giving you half. Um, you might already be paying for a VA. So if you're in session all day, every day and clients are going down a list or calling or reaching out or didn't schedule, or you didn't have the credit card on file, because your systems suck or whatever, you, you might already be paying for it. You might already be losing no money or opportunities, whereas a VA could be paid for if you see one more client a week or yep. one client twice a month. It's just, it, it tends to pay for itself almost immediately. And I, I rarely hear a therapist go, yeah, I hired a VA and then I went back because I wanted to take that work back and I couldn't see it adding value to my business. No, I've never heard so anybody no say that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Kim found $1,000 for me in missed revenue in her first week. So I was like, okay, Baller. this was a good investment. But I think the other thing, if you're gonna hire a VA or hire anybody to do anything for you, you need to do a, a little bit of investment and time of figuring out what that should look like. Mm -hmm. And I, I did, um, I do the Abundance, uh, Allison's group, the paid for group, mm -hmm. the subscription group. And she had this whole thing in there about how you, Think about what you want your VA to do, how you train them to do it. And that was so enlightening. I watched that and I'm like, all right, now I know how to do it. Now we're going to be able to do this well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, their success has a lot to do with your ability to manage them or be clear um, or to train them on the things that you need them to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And if you want somebody to tell you how to do that stuff, you have to hire something different than a VA. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a totally different thing that you're looking for. Yeah.
Yeah, and it's and, and I think another thing is like uh, people will assume that they'll hire a VA and go, okay, I want you to do Instagram for me, but I don't know how to do it. I just want I just assume that every VA knows how to do it or can teach themselves. They could in some part, but a lot of times, um, doing doing things once yourself helps you to understand what the task involves, what it's worth mm-hmm. to you, um, uh, how to outsource it, and how to train it, basically. Mm-hmm. And then once you've and done how to that, know if they're doing it well, yeah, how to supervise it. Yeah. yeah. So you and you, um, I guess, have gotten some help with your courses as well. I have. Yeah. Um, I paid Marissa Lawton. She wasn't even offering this yet, but I watched her launch one of her products and I was like, huh, that's what I want to do. But I think it might be a little bit more complicated than this book that I just read about it. <laughs> so I hired her to help me and bless her heart. She didn't know how much I didn't know and neither did I. <laughs> So she, uh, she saved me many a times through the process and it was worth way more than I paid for it. Um, but that was, I think that's one of the reasons you hire somebody sometimes is when I, okay, so let me go back. When I paid her, honestly, sorry, Marissa, my feeling was like, Oh shit, that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. Like, whew, that's a lot of money. I didn't even know if I would clear that sure, in the sure. launch. Right. Yeah. After the help was over, I was like, I could have paid double for that. Yeah, you're like, that wasn't enough. That was enough. easily right. worth double. Right. Well, and, and, that's, and yeah, because in part because you hadn't done it before, you didn't know what it's worth. Now you know what it's worth to you. Again, just like paying a lot of money for a website and seeing how much better it converts or how much faster the load times are or whatever, and then going, oh, shit, that's what that's worth to me. To me. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's why I love people in my group. So when people come to ask me about taking my course, I'm usually like, for sure you could take the course, but I want you to spend some time looking through the group and seeing if you can find the answers there. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the answers are already there. You could do the legwork to find the ones that aren't elsewhere. A lot of this you could figure out on your own and see if Mm -hmm. the cost of the course is worth it. Some Mm -hmm. people love diving deep and like scavenging around for answers. But I often find that after they've scavenged a little bit, they're like, and I'll be taking the course. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. organized. I don't want to scavenge. Sign me up. Totally. Let's talk about those two different ways of getting it done, right? Of, of kind of accomplishing the same end. On one hand, um, there are those that are bootstrapping mm-hmm. f- for different, different reasons, right? Um, and... And then there are those who either are like ready to spend that money right up front. They don't want to wait a day longer. They don't want to dig through the free stuff or the podcast or whatever. Um, what do you see in terms of people like in that spectrum and how they're navigating all the resources out there? That's a great question. I think sometimes people just legit don't have the cash. In which case I would never want them to spend it you know, like impulsively spend it and then they can't even buy the products they need to start their practice or whatever it is that they're doing. I think there are some people who, like me, when I was first seeking out um, therapy post-grad school and I heard my therapist rate, I was like, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> so much money. I can't afford it. And the reality was, well, initially I couldn't afford that rate. I could afford more than I realized I could. It was a mental issue for me. And then once I started doing it and I saw how valuable it was, I quickly started making some changes in my life so that I could pay him more because I just realized, oh, this is worth a lot more than I thought. And also I wasn't being totally honest with myself about 
what I could afford. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a yuck feeling. Who likes spending money? And then there are other people who I think that they are like, I just want to get this damn thing started and get moving. I right. just want to do right. therapy. I just want to build my side hustle, whatever it happens to be. So give me the tools and let's get going. Yeah. Part of that depends what on your timeline, you? right? Um, I think t- two things. Well, it, part of it does depend on your timeline, right? It's so when some people come in or they go, you know, how much do I need to spend on a website or how much do I need to spend on AdWords? Depends on your timeline. Depends on how how quickly you want to get there, right? Yes. Um, so it's, again, there's never a quick answer to this stuff. It's really, really nuanced. And I think we have to be more okay with those nuances um, in making decisions about our business. But two, two things that I see. One, um, therapists rarely have a budget. So if you, one of the questions that, um, that, that actually my team will ask at, in part of our screening process is, what's your marketing budget? And the res- I should do like a meme or like a Tumblr on the responses we get because they're really funny. Usually therapists either just put LOL or like a <laughs> winky face or like, haha, what? They're like, <laughs> or they're like, you know, I don't have one of those. Why are you asking? Mm-hmm. Why are you asking if I have a budget? You know, I don't have one. Um, so I think, I think we don't, we often don't have a budget and we also don't do well to separate uh, business finances from personal. Mm-hmm. Um, so when therapists, when you pitch them a fee for anything, they go, oh, that's a lot of money and it's coming out of my pocket. Right? Yeah. Or if I'm spending $100 here, that means I don't get $100 to take home or to spend on whatever is going on in my personal life. Um, I just think the bar is really low, to be honest. A, a private practice, an online practice, for Christ's sake, is one of the, the, one of the cheapest businesses you can start in the world. Yes. You know how much it costs to start a, a restaurant? Mm. At least 100, about $100,000, if not more. Um, even just to rent a space, get the equipment, get the people. Um, and even then you're paying off a business loan for probably the first couple years of the business if you even make it. So yeah. I just want therapists to see the risk is actually super low. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. even if you spent at the higher end five grand right out the gate, let's say you spent 2,500 on a website, which I guarantee most therapists listening to this podcast have not done. Mm-hmm. Most of them are well, well under that or did it completely themselves and it looks like shit or, um, yeah, I don't know. Let's say you spent 2,500 on that. Let's say you spent a thousand on or spent the rest on paid advertising and SEO. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really cheap business to start with mm. and to pay yourself back that five grand is really not very hard to do. But again, therapists can't, they can't make that leap. Like we, we just struggle to make that leap and to spend money and to not feel like, oh, this is coming out of my pocket. This is my money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially from the beginning, you are funding a startup. You're, you're funding a startup yourself and you're doing yourself an, a, a disservice if you only have $300 to spend. And, Let, okay. Yeah. Even hearing you say that, like even I'm having a reaction like, whew, five grand, that's a lot of money. <laughs> So what would you tell somebody who they don't have money set aside for that and they really would be going in debt to do it? Mm-hmm. Would you suggest they do? Like, no. yeah, what would your advice be? No, I wouldn't. But um, I think if you could even find two grand somewhere, mm-hmm. um, listen, if you have a plan to launch into private practice um, and then start saving now. Right. Set, set aside $200 a month 
you know what I mean, for the next six months, for the next year or whatever, to fund this private practice of yours, get as aggressive as you can with saving that money so that you give yourself a more comfortable launching pad. Mm-hmm. There's a lot, yeah, a lot of therapists that I, I agree are going to hear that number and go, there's no way in hell I'd ever have that money to put in my private practice. Okay, that's fine. Um, that just means you're going to have to bust your ass. And they go, yeah. well, I don't want to do that either. I want to do I want to do paid ads and Facebook ads and funnels and Google AdWords and want to have a, have a professional website. Okay. Um, it has to come from one place or the other. It's got to. So, okay, I'm th- I've been wanting to pick your brain about this. So one option for marketing would be like digital marketing crazy town. Like go hard, Google AdWords. I, I love your like crush your Google game stuff that you talk about. <laughs> Another might be like free but informed content marketing which has to go somewhere like on a website. It has to go somewhere. So that's going to cost yeah. you some money. And I guess the other would be like face-to-face networking, which mm-hmm. costs you time. If you were talking to a new clinician who had maybe a couple of grand and a dream, where would you tell them to be focusing their time and attention and finances? I put, I put 500 into a logo. I put a thousand into, uh, I put a thousand into the website. I put 500 into Google AdWords for the first month mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. straight up and, and give me $5 for the, for the advice. <laughs> so, but then, ha- so they have to save some money to even learn about how to do those things. So I know you have a course. I just listened to it in your mm-hmm. podcast yesterday. Mm-hmm. What is your course? What's the cost? Yeah, that's and that came as about as a result of a lot of therapists like being in this in between period of um, I I can't or don't want to pay someone to do things like SEO or Google AdWords or whatever, um, or even to create my website or work with a copywriter to have great copy, and so I started to outline the building blocks of um, of digital marketing. And the course is called Digital Marketing Made Simple. And the the foundation for the entire course is, guess what, your website. It's having a killer website. It's, ha- mm-hmm. it's, it's taking time getting a logo developed, getting clear on your brand identity, the visual identity of your brand, uh, a compelling tagline, strong copy that converts. Um, I go into UX and UI design. So how to, how to engineer a pay out. I'll, I'll break that one down. <laughs> what? <laughs> UX, so user interface and user behavior. There are people who have master's degrees in this stuff now, um, just like we have master's degrees in therapy. So like UX, UI refers to the study of the way that people engage with a web page. Uh-huh. So if you look at something like lead pages, for example, so lead pages is a software where you can create a landing page. Mm -hmm. I should back up. I'm already getting into a rabbit hole here. (laughs) A landing page is just a page that's engineered to get people to take one action. So when you have a sales page for your course, it's a landing page, right? Which looks like a website in case you guys don't know what we're talking about here. Landing page looks like website, but super easy to put up. Yep. And, And the entire purpose of the page is to get people to take one action. Call now, get started now, buy now fill out this form, whatever. Um, even, even looking at some of that, some of those best practices and what research says around where does the eye gravitate? What mm. kind of contrast do you need in a button? Let's say you have a super dark button with super dark, dark text. Well, people aren't going to click on that. There's a statistical probability of people clicking on that and it's not mm-hmm. very good. Um, repetition is key in UX and UI design. Um, mm. So you'll see a lot of landing pages that have that get started now button four or five times down the page and you go, oh, yeah. that's, 
that's a lot. Well, it's there because people click it. And the more mm-hmm. they get familiar with that button on an unconscious level, the more likely they are to click it. Mm-hmm. So we go through all this stuff. If you are, um, even if you have had a website design, the chances that your designer knows all of this stuff is very, very slim. The chances that your designer knows how to optimize a page for Google AdWords, very, very slim, right? They tend to be pretty good at one thing. So mm-hmm. we start there, go through all the elements of, of a killer website. That includes your copy, so developing a, a compelling tagline, the rest of the web copy, et cetera. And then step two is really crushing the Google game on all three pillars. I love it every yeah. time you say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mantra in my head now. <laughs> now you want to do it. You're like, oh, I want to do that. I don't know what that means, but I want to crush <laughs> the game on all three pillars. <laughs> don't we all? Everyone has feelings about Google. Um, and, and, you know, and this is where there is a departure between uh, uh, advertising a brick and mortar business from an online one. And, and I see a lot of this confusion or even with some folks that are posting your goop, your group, your goop. Yeah, posting your goop. <laughs> My goop. <laughs> Unbelievable. Goop in the group, maybe? It's been a long day. Um, <laughs> that, that go... You know, they're asking things like, well, if I do therapy in... Um, in Ohio and Florida and North Carolina, where should my Google My Business listing be? Yeah. You've, you just, you, there's a totally different set of rules for growing an online practice, entire, or I should say digital strategy and online practice. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more moving parts, and I think in order to really do it well, you need to, you need to get as savvy as you can with, um, with Google and how Google's going to look very, very different from you, for mm-hmm. you if you're building an online practice entirely. And the bad news the value of your content, having a content driven business, which is again, the thing that therapists really don't want to hear. Yeah. And by content, you guys were just saying, I mean, my content is usually educational. That's the kind of content that I like doing the best. So self-helpy stuff usually. Um, and people feel helped by it. They feel like they got to know me and then they feel like, Hmm, maybe she can help me some more. And so they're willing to buy. There are other sorts of content, but content is your freest thing that Mm -hmm. you could use to advertise your business and get people to know you. So I think it's worth learning to do. Yeah. Well, and and listen, there's a parallel, um, and a lot of people don't don't realize this. Um, This is a content-driven business, Mm -hmm. big time. And I started blogging in 2013. Whoa. Yeah. Um. And so it didn't happen right away. You know what I mean? This was this has been years in the making of of writing and writing and writing and producing and free stuff and free stuff and free stuff mm-hmm. only to reach a tipping point after about two years in where I went, oh, I got my first, I got one coaching client. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> I know they don't. Painful. And also, this was from this was coming from a time where I was living in San Francisco, working in nonprofits, not making enough money. I was driving Lyft and Uber at night and on the weekends and on my way to work and on my way home from work just to make ends meet and bootstrapping my first practice, doing all that digital marketing stuff myself, and then you know slowly building this this um, this this personal brand, this this online business. So. Mm. It's there, there are ways to do it, but again, I think you either have to be ready to, to do it the right way and build, build this content marketing engine and realize it's going to be a pretty slow build, or you, you, you pony up and you're going to, you're going to pay a lot for, for paid advertising as an, for your online practice building people, especially because, again, more bad news today on the show. You, 
you're, you're competing, at least in a Google perspective, against companies like BetterHelp and Talkspace and mm -hmm. whoever the hell else is out there now. And guess what? These are venture-backed companies that have tens of millions of dollars yeah. um, funding them. And so that that's another challenge that's happening right now across the board is Google AdWords can be really effective for building online practice and companies like that are really driving up the price. So it doesn't mean it can't be done, it just means we're having to get more creative with some of those ads and kind of work around some of those keywords because those companies are driving the prices of mm -hmm. keywords up big time. Okay, so here's what I would love to see you do. Uh -oh. I would love to see you, you do, yes, a webinar, even a paid webinar, that's like a um, kickstart your digital marketing game. Mm -hmm. So that people could get oriented to what it would actually take with an opt-in at the end to either go through your bigger course mm -hmm. or to be like, screw this, I don't wanna learn all this, could yeah. you just do it for me? Sure, and so, sure. You know, like, cause I think sometimes I've gone through courses where I'm like, okay, I definitely want to learn this. Like I'm down. I go through mini training and as soon as I get halfway through it, I'm like, yeah, definitely not going to want to, which is how I felt about Google AdWords. Yeah. I was like, no, no, that's not going to be worth. I can't, yeah. I just can't right yeah, now. I'd rather sure. create content and pay somebody else to do it. Yep. So that would be helpful. <laughs> Could you get on that? You're, you're really, you're, I love you asking me on the spot. It's like, I can't yeah. say no now. Then the, the people will start throwing rotten tomatoes can, at me. You can think about it. I can I, okay, so I also, while you're thinking, I want to throw this out. I don't know if I was just super lucky when I started, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess to you. I didn't spend, I almost didn't spend a dime in marketing. Mm -hmm. I made my own website, which sucked. I did pay somebody to make it better for like 500 bucks. Yeah. Um, but then I just created a crap ton of content and I put it everywhere, like I everywhere I possibly could. And what happened is it jump started my practice. Yep. I'm also very um, social on Facebook, so that also helped oh, I me a lot. <laughs> And now I have a bot being extra social. I know. Like, Let's talk about that. We will. Good Lord. I don't know that that would have maintained my practice, that, that free-ish effort, um, if I didn't have like very strong word of mouth. And mm -hmm. I do have a pretty um, wide network of colleagues that refer to me. So are there ways that you can think of, am I just an anomaly or are there quick start ways that people could kind of get their feet wet, get enough people in their practice so that they could afford to invest more in whatever strategy is yeah. going to work for them? I mean, let's break down what worked for you. Cause I think this is really interesting. I think you're an interesting case study in online practice building. You took this kind of shotgun approach with your, with your content of going, I'm, I'm going to start producing stuff, just putting it out there in all places and send it back to my website more or less. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell everyone I know that I'm open for business, mm -hmm. which I, th I think is a very commonly uh, overlooked part. For sure. Yeah. And just extra confession. I didn't have a website to start with. Perfect. <laughs> On my business Even card. Even more of a wild card. <laughs> sending everybody to my iTherapy directory listing because I didn't have Close a website enough. yet. <laughs> so I'm like, it's a directory listing. It kind of looks like a website. So yeah. that's what I'm going to send people to. Yeah. <laughs> so if you were to do it again, the only thing I would change really is having a, having a strategy, um, uh, but still taking a similar approach 
of being everywhere on the internet all at mm-hmm. once um, with the main thing of being having a clear call to action. So at the end of every piece of content yes. you put out there, if you're interested in learning more about these five tips for more mindfulness today, go to amberlata.com forward slash whatever to apply um, for a free call with me. Yep. Biggest regret in retrospect, yeah. not starting a mailing list from the very beginning. And that's that was going to be my last one. If if So for therapists listening right now, especially for some of your people wanting to do this on the cheap, killer website, content marketing as your engine, build your email list. Yeah. That's the yeah. free way. That is the free way to do it. You will spend, you'll spend months more, you know, skipping the paid advertising part. It's fine. Um, but you'll, you'll spend months more. But again, that's, that's generally the, the kind of, um, uh, roadmap as, as I would see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know it's so overwhelming for people that sometimes just having it, having one step in front of them is helpful. So if that one step is just be helpful to people with your content, that's like it. come from a place of wanting to be helpful and pay somebody to do your website or get on a director, whatever, learn what a call to action looks like, mm-hmm. which is basically just telling them to do something mm-hmm. and build your email list. <laughs> the email list is so beautiful because it mm-hmm. lets you have ongoing contact with people for mm-hmm. free, send yeah. them helpful stuff. And then over time they get to know you well enough that they want to get in therapy with you or refer their cousin to you for therapy. Yep. We need to talk more about email lists. I've, I've really never yeah. talked about it in the group. Well, this is uh, this is critical for any online business. Again, most most online business owners would agree. If you had to put a monetary value on your business, on an online business, it's the email list. Mm-hmm. It's the only piece of real estate you own. It's the only thing you own. If any, if and when any of these platforms go away or shift or everyone's attention all of a sudden goes to YouTube, even and all your shit was on Facebook, um, yep. your audience has just shifted. And they're not in your real estate anymore. They're not in your house. They're in, they're in a rented condo that you were hosting this party in. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with rented condo parties, but they don't last long. So you do just want to get people on that email list. That's, that's the ultimate place you want them as an online business owner. And it, it applies for, for therapy practices that are online. The other, the other reason why is because, you know, you have to, to, basic marketing concepts. You have lead generation. So things you do to, to, to actively generate leads right now. Those are people looking for therapy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, you have a way, then you have keeping in touch with your audience, brand awareness, brand recognition, yes. right? So if you're doing all this work, or if you're doing something like paid advertising for the sake of lead generation, getting people in, you have to get them on your email list because what happens is if, and when you have a dip in your practice, a lot of therapists will panic and go, oh, I need to spend a bunch of money or I need to go back to the drawing board or whatever. If, if you have an email list, rather than going back to the well when you have a dip in your practice, you go back to your email list and you engage it more fully. Yep. That's I just it. heard Katie Keats May say on your podcast, I'm not sure which one I was listening to, but she was saying that she can fill her gr- a group in a week just by her email list, Correct. just by saying to her people, hey, y'all, group's open. Yep. These are people that already know, like, and trust you. They want to hear from you. They're waiting to hear from you. And if you gauge them in a regular and consistent way, in a genuine way, um, when you finally ask something of them or just say, hey, I've got one more slot open for therapy. Let me know. People, people are listening and they'll reach out. So whether they're coming from your content marketing engine or a paid advertising engine, get them on your email list so you can keep in touch. It's, it's yeah. really 
like this is, and this to me, this is what digital marketing made symbols all about. It's, it's empowering therapists to, I hate that word. I've been like trained to not use that word because it <laughs> indicates that we're powerless. Right. Um, so I don't mean it that way, but it, it, it emboldens therapists to know why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Even, even if your plan's that simple, right? So you know you have a killer website. Now it's about getting in front of more people. And rather than just randomly posting to Instagram five times a day because someone else told you you should, have a, have a clear thought out strategy and start to understand how, how these different pieces fit together in just high level concepts like lead generation, like the point of email marketing. There's a whole module on that. And I just, I, I love when therapists can finally know why. It just clicks. Something clicks and they mm -hmm. go, Oh, I kind of oh. understand how the internet works. I don't understand every site. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's like, I know where my strengths are. Uh, I know a lot about Google. I don't know shit about Pinterest. Mm -hmm. It's not part of my strategy. Mm -hmm. I know therapists who will say I've gotten clients from Pinterest. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Right on. It's not, it's not part of my strategy, but I know why I'm doing Google. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? I know, I know where my leads are generated from. I know how I engage my audience. In your course, are you going to cover like email strategy, like funnels and um, how to organize the email? And are you covering that kind of higher level? Because I know how to actually email people. Mm -hmm. I don't know any strategy. Okay, I know a little bit of strategy. I don't know a lot of strategy mm -hmm. with emailing and I often don't use it. That The strategy I do know, I don't use. Yeah. Most, Are you covering that? Uh, most therapists just need a very basic level of understanding to engage their email list regularly in the form of like a newsletter or a here's my latest blog post and here's a call to action. Mm -hmm. um, here's a group I'm filling or a slot I have open or whatever. So um, there's, there's basically four ways of engaging your email list that I go through different formats that you can use, um, whether it's a five Friday mindfulness tips kind of thing, or again, a more general newsletter that goes out less often. For most therapists, that's enough, just serving mm -hmm. your audience through your email list. Um, if you, there is an advanced email marketing section on things like funnels and automation and segmentation, um, yeah, I know. I was going to say. <laughs> it's so exciting. Those three things will give you butterflies real quick. And for most, some, some therapists, those things will never really be relevant to you. So, you know, therapists will hear words like sales funnel and they'll freak out and they'll go, oh, I think I need to learn sales funnel now or an email funnel. And they don't even know what it means or why they would need it or if it's appropriate for them. So you can, that's the fun part. You can get as deep into the stuff as you want. Um, but you just have to work where you are, right? So for most therapists, they haven't even been building a meaningful email list. Right. So that's a place to start. So even going back further than that and going, how do you grow an email list? Well, you have a lead magnet. What's a lead magnet? Oh, it's yes. that free PDF thing that you give away. Oh, okay. So that's how I've gotten on all these email addresses, including John Clark's. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you start to put the pieces together and then you go out into the world, so to speak, on the internet and you go, oh shit, I know how the internet works now. That would be so helpful just yeah. to have the high level concepts of why do I do this thing? What is the totally. purpose of doing this thing? Yeah, that's like my entire mission in one thing. Well, you've when done does a great, it start? Um, in a couple of weeks. I don't know when this episode is going to air, but it's going to be very soon. There's okay. a, there is um, uh, an email list opt-in, speaking of which, <laughs> which is <laughs> thejohnclark.com forward slash simple. Uh, so okay. if you go there, you can opt in, get on the um, the interest list. So put that link in the notes. But um, you, you've done a great job of making this podcast episode about me. Woo! That's how you know you're a good <laughs> therapist. It's like, 
the client that comes in and, re- and they like think they're not going to talk about themselves and then at the end of the hour and you're like oh and i love pizza my favorite toppings are pineapple and sometimes <laughs> i put ham on it and you're like oh wait right what just happened yeah tell, well i tell- had a bunch of questions for you and i know my group members <laughs> want to hear a lot more about marketing so yeah. i took advantage heard of it <laughs> sneaky <laughs> so sneaky so tell people about uh, about your course and how they can how they can learn more. Okay, the best way to learn more is to go into the online therapist group in Facebook. Um, I am giving out freebies all of October. Nice. Um, because some people don't need the course. Mm-hmm. Uh, the freebies and everything else that's in the group is enough to get them mm-hmm. launched. Other people are going to get overwhelmed by the amount of content and they're going to be like, could you just give me an easy button? Mm -hmm. So that was my purpose in creating the course is just make it easy. I do like explaining things. So each week I give a different um, foundational module that they need to actually build their practice. But then I'm like, and if you don't want to do the work of learning, here's the easy button. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Here's what I would tell you to do. Here are the three steps I would say take. You can think about it or you can just do these three steps. So there's a lot of like scripts for what to say to people on your first console, what to do in your intake, what your notes should look like. Anywhere where I could put a script I did, anywhere that there could be a checklist, there is one. People seem to really like a checklist. So they my do. goal is to make it easy. That's awesome. Yeah. What were people saying about um, the course that, that, who took it in the first round? Aww. They said so many good things. Yes, yes. One one of my favorite quotes was, um, this course and Amber were motivating as, (laughs) it was an AF comment. Yeah, I was like, yes. Um, Probably the coolest thing that happened unexpectedly, because I was like, this is not a marketing course. It's not a marketing course. So I was scared to make it a marketing course. It's like, I'm just going to teach you what to do to open up the doors of your practice. Mm -hmm. But then like I dripped a little bit of basic marketing strategy in there. Mm -hmm. And several people had clients before the end of the course. And I was like, all right, that's that's super freaking cool. Like they paid for the course before the end of the course. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. If you want to see testimonials, I have quoted them on the little page that I'm sending out to my email list. So hop on in the group. Awesome. Well, you and I were talking about... um mindset before this. And I feel like a lot of it, and per- perhaps your course helps prime people for that of getting confident in their systems, wh- like how a session is going to be getting their setup ready, like figuring out mm-hmm. the lighting, all those things. And then a lot of marketing has to do with confidence in your belief in your product. Like if you don't have that part, then yes. all the other stuff, all everything that we talked about today, it's not going to go anywhere. It's going to fall flat. Totally. So, totally. So perhaps just even doing that gave them some of the confidence to go, you know what? I have an online practice and I'm open for business. And even just sharing that with some people, that is marketing. You know what I mean? It's like Absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's a whole uh, whole section on what to say when people give you pushback about having an online practice. Oh, because I, love, I think that's what they're that. most afraid will happen. That yeah. they'll be on the phone, they'll be like, But wait, you don't have an office? And that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So knowing what you can say to that is so helpful. They feel more prepared. Yeah. It's, yep. it's all about feeling prepared. Yeah. And I, awesome. I took 10 years from the time I thought about having an online practice to when I started, it was a decade. So if I wow. can help people <laughs> not take that long, <laughs> then I want to do that. That's a good, that's awesome. a good motivator right there. Yeah. Do it yeah. in less with ten, less than 10 years with Amber Lida. Right. <laughs> do it nine weeks. and a half. <laughs> yeah. Eight weeks. 
eight weeks or ten years eight weeks or ten years chill out in your pool in the middle of the afternoon (laughs) hang with your barky dogs drink wine at 3 p.m while you're talking to your va like you can have all these things and more your dog's right on cue yeah, they, I, you know, the kids are getting off of the school bus, so yeah. they've got to let me it's know. Time to bark. This kids, this kids could be up to no good. <laughs> Probably often are. This is a good thing your dog's letting <laughs> them know. Yeah, my animal slept through this whole episode, which is a miracle. Yeah, a real sorry. Miracle. Yeah, <laughs> I should have been cool. a drill them beforehand. <laughs> That'd be intense, but you know, maybe next <laughs> your time. face was just like PETA expression. You're like, I just didn't know that was a thing. Don't do that. I always get freaked out when people give uh, human drugs to animals for some reason. Yeah. I know that's a dumb belief, but... No, 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 that's not a dumb belief. Some of our drugs are toxic to them, but Benadryl is not. Okay, good to know. Any other antihistamine could be, so don't, don't do that. Well, you can also go the other way around, which is you could steal um, animal drugs from your pet and take them yourself, like your kitty yes. doggy Xanax. You could have a little hit of that and probably feel all right for a couple hours. Taco so does I've have heard. Xanax. <laughs> really? So I wonder. Yeah. It's this weird stuff. You have to like shoot it in his mouth along the gum line and wow. it absorbs into his bloodstream. And uh, he was quite stoned when yeah. I gave it to him. Like, he's, he's laid back. Who cares that it's thundering outside? I'm not scared. He's chilling by the pool. <laughs> no thunderstorm. Like, what? I think he might have been like seeing. Things. What thunderstorm? He's I remember one time when I went into uh, to take my cat into the vet and like my cat was acting a little weird, a little down or something. And I was a graduate student at the time and we had been talking about therapy or something. I was talking with the vet about therapy. And then we were talking about my cat again and I was like, you know, I don't know if she's to the point of like, you know, an SSRI or something more serious <laughs> like that. And he looked at me and he goes, he goes, we will consider that if, he said, that is an option. We will consider that if, if it seems clinically appropriate. And I was like, oh shit, that's real. <laughs> <laughs> like I was totally kidding and he was like he was like that's an option we do have that we have that in stock all the major drug reps probably rolling through there selling the the puppy and kitty version of yep. of of Xanax and yep. you know yep. everything you can imagine Prozac and make our dogs sicker I can't help my dog it's like can we try some CBT first doc <laughs> Can we talk through your feelings about thunder and lightning? Can we talk about Can we have it? a conversation? Yeah. What does lightning represent to you? Right, right. You? Well, this is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And I'm still befuddled at how much you got me to talk. Yay. Yeah, that was just a, my, my master plan to get help for my group for mm-hmm. free. I'm also hoping that you will come join me in a big idea that I had yesterday that I'm going to actually do. 100%. It's going to be like a 10 buck a month learn how to market thing that I'll do for about a year. And uh, I'd love for you to come in and teach the peeps. You know I'll do it. Do it in style. Thanks again for being here. I'll see you soon. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. And again, tomorrow we've got a free training, free online training, where I'm going to teach you the five steps to fully booked how to put your private practice on autopilot, head to thejohnclark.com forward slash simple to sign up for the training. Even if you can't make it live, you will still get the recording. thejohnclark.com forward slash simple. And I will see you tomorrow in the live training.